Welcome to Building a Modern Employer Brand podcast. My name is Susanna Rantanen and I'm your go-to person in professional talent marketing and modern employer branding. I'm so sorry about my voice. I've been struck with some kind of an infection, not the COVID-19 virus, something else. Um, and I've lost like half of my hearing in my in my left ear. And um, I'm not quite sure like how my voice sounds. I feel it's it sounds awful to myself. But of course, you know, I'm on this weird situation anyhow with my hearing and everything. So if I sound odd, I apologize. I just need to record this podcast episode so that I can share it with you. This podcast episode is going to start a few episode sort of a mini series about storytelling. And by now you probably have heard storytelling uh, mentioned about a million times uh, in business communication and marketing and, and on social media. I feel like it has turned into a bit of a hype in the recent years. But stories as such are actually no hype at all. Stories, in fact, were told about by our ancestors, the cave people, more than 2,000 years ago. And what we today visualize like as the, you know, over the campfire scenery. And, you know, all those hieroglyphic writing on rocks and caves that have been found are essentially storytelling. When we were little, we used to tell a lot of stories. We used to use our imagination, make up these plays as we you know, these scenarios as we played with our cars and our toys and our animals and dolls and so on. And and still today I'm really happy, joyful that I get to witness this uh, as our son plays with his Star Wars Legos. And, and he has this habit of making up these, it seems like he's making up like a storyboard in his mind. And then he places all those Lego shapes and all the Lego characteristics on the floor in his fighting positions. And, and then he goes on to play out the scene. And oftentimes when we say like, oh, you know, it's dinner time. And, and he's like, I just need two minutes so that I can finish this play. And then he literally takes up like two minutes and, and goes like to the end of his storyboard and then he says, like, okay, I'm done. I, you know, this is finished. Our brains, the human brain, is wired for stories. And in fact, stories are the same to our brain than oxygen is to our lungs. It's an essential, essential element that is required for, that, uh, for our lungs or our brains to, to function. So our brains literally need to get into this resting state that takes place when we uh, imagine when we hear a story and in this week's episode of building a modern employer brand podcast i kick off this few week journey into storytelling and um, why storytelling is so essential also in employer branding and in modern talent marketing but in this first part i want to i want to talk to you about why our brain uh, needs 
stories and why, from that perspective, storytelling is maybe more current than ever before. Writing, to me, is how I organize my thoughts, how I... It's like an avenue to express my ideas. I am an introverted person, so to me, to sort of speak up my mind, I need to... um, I need to write it down first and uh, I quite literally understood this a few years ago when on a January evening I went to take our dog Kenzo out for his evening walk and uh, it was dark and I had literally only the street lights that were casting like a shadow on the asphalt street and uh, as we were heading back home we were literally not more than like 50 hundred meters from home Uh, And I noticed um, what we call black ice. Black ice is a very thin pool of water on the asphalt surface uh, that is is frozen. And the layer is so thin that the black asphalt actually shows through and you can really see it if the light hits it from the right angle. But you can't see it if the, the light doesn't hit from, hit it from the right angle, which makes it really dangerous. So, you know, uh, people break their body parts usually in the most ordinary situations. Uh, and in Finland, the most common way to break your wrist or ankle in the winter is just to slip on a black ice like that, literally on your own front yard. So as Kenzo and I were approaching our gate, uh, he stopped to sniff something, as you know dogs do, and uh, I saw this black eyes across the sidewalk, and I thought to myself, like, ha, huh, lucky me, I can see that I can actually sort of carefully just step through it and avoid not falling. And uh, I noticed this couple on an evening walk on the other side of the street, we greeted, and then I stepped on this black eyes really carefully, and then all of a sudden I stumbled down. I do not know to this day what happened because literally I saw it, literally I was taking like a really careful step and as soon as I landed, I landed on my wrist and I knew it was bad. My right wrist, my handwriting wrist was bent into pretty awkward position and the pain that swept through my body was excruciating. Now, Kenzo at this point was looking at me and like wondering like what's going on. And the couple ran to me. They helped me to get up and they walked me, I think, to our house. Uh, I don't really remember much of that uh, because it was I was in so much agony. I only remember that I came home. I told my husband we have to go to the hospital right now. The x-ray showed that there was like four fractures on my radius and later on, I was discovered that there was actually a fifth one at the side of the wrist. So I had a cast on my writing hand for like several weeks. And during that time, I realized how important it is to me to be able to write my thoughts out. Now, storytelling, of course, is not just writing. Stories are told in images. They are told in movies, in songs, in poetry. Stories are spoken out loud, also like impro. And stories can be listened to, stories can be watched, stories can be read. Stories can be danced to, stories can be 
moved to. Stories are so essential to our brain that without the access to the story world, our brains can get very tired. Now, storytelling is more important nowadays than ever. And this has to do with this constant stream of information, those commercial and all those non-commercial messages that all of us are exposed to on a daily basis. And the more of all is that as all of us can become our own media and, and share our messages online and on social media, on podcasts like this, on newspapers, on Twitter, and uh, not only about work and business, but also about everything that concerns us. You know, the news about politics, about childcare, about gardening, about pollution, about famish, about, you know, anything really. Uh, there are people who want to hear what we have to say about like even the, the most niche topics that you could ever imagine. So what happens essentially is that picture your head. I want you to picture your head and picture then this constant stream of these imaginary arrows being kind of like flown towards your head and all of those arrows represent information, messages sent by someone to your direction and there's not tens of, not hundreds, millions of these kind of data arrows that are being sent to your way trying to get through the surface of your brain, of your head, of your skull every nanosecond of your time. Every messenger feels their message is so important that you should listen to it. But you, you have this non-stop stream of messages trying to access your mind. You cannot possibly pay attention to all of them. You cannot possibly listen to them all. Just the thought of this is driving you nuts, isn't it? This is our life these days. You and I, every consumer, Every person in this universe is being targeted with some kind of messages 24-7. We all know most of those messages mean nothing to us. And if we could decide, we would not want to receive them at all. In marketing, they are called spam. They might be important to the sender, but they are rubbish to the recipient. And that's why we all have the updated right to decide what messages we want to receive. Being able to choose your messages is a human right. And the more we can all choose what we want to hear and be exposed to and when, the better chances there are for the chosen messages to get through as well. Sometimes the message ruins the actual message. It is a skill to formulate your message in a way that it makes sense and that it becomes relevant to the recipient. Unfortunately, the common form of messaging in business life, in work life, is quite the opposite. The sender formulates messages about whatever is relevant and meaningful to them into a format that makes sense to them and then expects the recipient to agree. Most job posts, most career site content, most business blog content, social media posts, company news, media releases, most business-related content is written and produced by ourselves to please ourselves. And that's where we can learn so much 
from storytelling. Storytelling is actually more than anything quite a systematic method in which we use a narrative to communicate about something to an audience that it makes sense to. And that's why we change the story based on who the audience is. The message could be the same, but the way that we approach the topic, the story that goes around it, changes. And it's easy to think a story is not a factual, that is more like an imaginary bedtime thing, because us adults know stories like that. We read bedtime stories to our kids every evening, or we read fiction to entertain ourselves, get our mind off from work. Nothing, however, stops us from using storytelling in business to talk about business stuff, business facts. A story consists of specific elements, and those elements must take place through the narrative for it to be considered as a story. Now, I'm not going to go into the story elements yet on this episode, because the whole concept of story and storytelling is actually pretty scientific. And I want to give you, I want to introduce it to you in doses, because when I started to study storytelling a few years ago, I was so captivated by the power of this scientific approach that I want to make it really welcoming for you to take up the storytelling journey with me and uh, start learning about it. So I'm going to serve it to you in small dosages. I found a telling chart by Referral Candy in a HubSpot blog. I'll link this image into the blog post about this podcast episode at modernemplerbrand.com slash podcast45 so that you can see. Um, in this image, uh, they say that storytelling is useful information in the form of a narrative. Storytelling is not any 5,000 or 10,000 word article. Storytelling is what can motivate your team to understand something. But storytelling isn't your sales goals. Storytelling is what your brand could stand for. But storytelling is not an advertisement. Storytelling is about your customers or your talents or your talent audiences. Storytelling is not about you. Storytelling is emotional and engaging. Storytelling is not boring. Storytelling is about a beginning, a crisis, and a resolution. Storytelling is not something cool that happened. It is not an Instagram post or a video as such. Storytelling is an interaction between your customer, your talent, your talent or member of your talent audience, and your employer brand. Storytelling isn't equivalent to a sales pitch. What this means is that a story is not a synonym to any long-form text. 
And in fact, you can tell a story in as little as three Instagram 15 second story videos. But at the same time, using the Instagram stories feature does not mean that you are in fact telling a story. Nor does it mean that your business does recruitment uh, video is the same that that video is considered as a story. So whatever means we use to tell a story doesn't matter. It is the format that we provide the information and the message in that makes it either a story or does not make it a story. A video can be a story, but a video can also not be a story. I think that like a paramount question is to uh, that why is it important to understand what is considered a story? The only reason for you to really understand that what is the story is that if you want to get the benefits of how a story impacts our brain, then you must literally structure your message into a format of a story. That is the key thing here. Any other type of message will not impact your brain like a message when it's formulated into a story. And what's so great about story structure is that once you have it right, it's universal. You can just change the language. The structure always stays the same. So let's talk about how does the story impact our brain then. This to me, when I first learned this a couple of years ago, literally I always thought that my favorite organ is heart. But ever since I learned storytelling and you know became captivated with storytelling and started to learn, like really study storytelling i would say that my favorite organ is the brain so when we hear a story like a real story so many things start to happen in our brain and the easiest way to understand this is to think of it as this story is like a material that starts to stimulate our imagination. So when we hear or when we read words, pictures start to appear into our minds. Again, I'm going to link you to a picture of a, uh, how a story impacts the brain because that picture tells literally more than a thousand words. I think we've proved that point on this podcast a couple of times now. Uh, you can find the picture uh, at modernemployerbrand.com slash podcast four, four five. So imagine your brain. When you hear a actual story, several areas of your brain become activated. So when the story you hear is relevant to you, this is key, when it's relevant to you, the story synchronizes your brain with the teller's brain. In brain language, this is called neural coupling. Your mind activates to listen, to pay attention. And a lot of this happens actually on an unconscious level. So when the story helps you to identify yourself in that story, this mirroring starts to take place. These are the mirror neurons that enable you to mirror that experience you are hearing or seeing. Imagine when you read a good book or watch a movie that totally captivates you. 
And as you're nearing the end, you kind of stop reading. You want to slow it down or you want to stop watching, slow it down because you don't want the story to come to end. You want to stay in that world as long as possible. You essentially feel like you have a role in that story. You're like living through the one of the characters in the story. And that role... Your, the sense of living that character happens because you're able to relate to, to mirror a character in the story being like you. So what then happens in our brain is this dose of dopamine hormone is being released. So dopamine uh, is released as a result of those emotionally charged events taking place as we relate to the story. And now, every story always have pain, struggle, some kind of a conflict. This is important. Let me tell you again. So what happens then in our brain is dopamine, dopamine is being released as a result of an emotionally charged event taking place that we relate to in the story. And that emotionally charged event is some kind of a pain, some kind of a struggle, some kind of a conflict uh, the character is going through. And we mirror that ourselves into that, uh, uh, that pain, that struggle, that conflict. And for dopamine to be released, there needs to be that conflict. So a conflict is an essential element in a story. Without a conflict, there is... There is technically not a story and technically this process in your brain is not going to happen. So to release that, that release of dopamine is so important because it creates pleasure. And that pleasure is like glue. Dopamine glues this memory as an event into your mind. And that is why it's so much easier to recall details from stories. So if you want your talent audiences to recall you, that, that your company is top of their mind, you need dopamine to glue emotionally charged events into their memories about your business. Essential. This dopamine effect is further enhanced with our brain releasing also cortisol. Cortisol is a stress hormone. So this also requires a stressful event as an emotionally charged event to take place. So this conflict increases our attention. It helps stick this event into our memory. And this is easy to prove. Because how many events do you recall that had absolutely no meaning, no relevance to you whatsoever? So why does conflict increase the likelihood of remembering that much? Because our brains are built to keep us alive. Conflicts are threats and our brains must find them important, relevant enough to act upon. That is why we pay attention to conflict. And finally, our brain releases oxytocin. Oxytocin is known as love hormone. And together with dopamine, the glue and serotonin, these are the happy camper hormones our happy hormones. So when we hear a story that moves us on an emotional level, dopamine dose is released, our serotonin levels are increased, and the love hormone oxytocin is produced. We feel this as a surge 
of positive emotion towards what we just experienced. It is like the pink bow wrapped on your message that seals the deal. I know this is complex. This is an introduction and I'm going to talk to you about storytelling in the context of employer branding a couple episodes from here onwards. I just want you to understand that when I talk about storytelling, there is science to it and not everything is about telling stories. Not everything makes a story. And what makes a story has a really intriguing uh, science, you know, to do with our brain. And I want you to understand this because this will just logically put the puzzles in your uh or the pieces of puzzles in your puzzle together when you learn storytelling. You will learn to understand what makes a story and what doesn't. Uh, check out the blog post at modernemployerbrand.com slash podcast45 to get your head around this, because I guarantee once you do, you will enter a whole new world of marketing and communications. It is the paradise I entered several years ago. I want to get you here too. So a few episodes back, I spoke about the power of visuals, and I would like to remind you about that now, because when we hear a story, a message formulated into, into a story, our brain is being stimulated, and we start to imagine the story, paint a picture into our mind about the message. So story is a sense-making mechanism. It's your color palettes and your, your brush, your, your brush stroke or your pen. That makes sense into those words. And because you are able to imagine, visualize them, you will remember them better. And because there is a conflict, that message is going to be glued on your mind. And then because the glue, the dopamine works together with the other happy hormones, there will be a surge of pleasure that you feel afterwards. And this will put the pink po on the story. And that's why you remember what's in relevant stories for you. Okay, so that's about the bing bows and the brains and stuff. Uh, I want to talk to you about, well, I'm, I'm going to go back to brain because I want to talk to you about our crocodile brain. In the world of such rapid development, one thing that has stayed pretty constant since the birth of a humankind is actually our brain. So uh, not to make this really complex, but there is a part of our brain that is called the crocodile brain, and essentially it's... Uh, I guess the oldest and the most simple part of our brain in sense. But this is like the engine room, if you like. So uh, when mundane and boring information comes to our way, a lot of factual information, a lot of difficult information to digest, when that kind of stuff is presented to us, our brain literally starts to shut it down. But when the same information is formulated into a story, our brain will welcome it with open arms. So boring information, mundane information, facts, difficult information. Brain is not going to let that through. It's hard. When the same information is structured into a story format, brain will say, welcome, buddy. I think we can all remember a situation when we used to study for exams, for example, and there was a lot of little details to be learned by heart. 
So our minds would literally shut down and we would find our minds wandering off constantly. It was like really hard to, hard to concentrate on that, keep our mind on it. Studying would feel literally tiresome. We were just not able to focus on learning little details for too long at the time. There is a reason. Our brain was built to keep us alive. And our crocodile brain has two essential functions. Make sure we stay alive and make sure we use as little energy as possible. So let's talk about making sure we stay alive. So this is about keeping us on our toes, as in making sure we're able to detect possible threats around us. Danger. When a baby starts to shun away from strangers at few months to year old, or when we resist change at work, or when we go to a, an event when we used to go to physical events, now during the COVID time, we're all obviously on, online all the time, but when we actually used to go to physical events, people tend to take a seat at the back of the room or quite close to the uh, exit, the door. And we don't really pay attention to it. Like, it's not a conscious thing. It's because our brain wants to make sure that in a case of a danger, there is an exit. Babies are shunning away from strangers because it's a way to make sure that uh, a humankind will learn to make a difference between a person that they can trust and a person that they cannot trust. When we resist change at work, it's so that we are able to spare time for ourselves so that we make sure that uh, the change is not, you know, come with danger. So these are both fine examples of how our brain works to make sure we stay alive. Then about the energy consumption. Now this has nothing to do with being lazy. It's about our brain regulating the consumption of energy in our body. So uh, you know if you've tried to lose weight and then you stop eating, you're not actually losing weight because your brain is making sure that whatever energy your body has left is going to be used sparingly. So it's not going to let it get, you know, it's not going to let you lose it. So we oftentimes think that we only use energy for physical activities, but thinking, using our brain consumes a lot of energy, as do all the sort of the basic bodily functions. So that's why you know, trying to comprehend strange or very complex information is so tiring and it consumes our energy. And that's why it feels hard to concentrate on it because our brain is literally forcing our minds to start wonder in order to fill up the tank, quite literally. Now, I know you're wondering what has all this to do with employer branding and storytelling? Well, a lot. So the reason why most businesses struggle with getting attention, uh, be it internal communication or external marketing and communication, is because our messages are written from our own needs, from our own points of view, and based on what makes them relevant and interesting to us. But you and I, as well as everyone else in our audiences, we are only concerned about information that either keeps us alive, helps us to thrive, or reserves or fills up the energy levels in our body. We're not interested to 
open our minds to any information that is not presented in a relevant and meaningful and valuable way to us at that particular time. You or I can't change this because this is how our brain works. So our brain essentially blocks all these arrows that are trying to get through our conscious mind because our brain does not need most of the information that is being sent to our way. So a lot of the company marketing and communication messages go wrong because internally we're not able to understand the relevance of that message to an external person. So we try to tell the external audience is what we think that are important about the message. But unless we understand the external point of view and what could be meaningful and, and relevant to them, we're only going to write those messages from our own perspective to please us. Do you get that? And when we're trying to please our own needs, it's not relevant to an external person. It's useless to send any messages to our external audiences that are formulated in a way that they please us. Because internally we know, we look at the issue from a completely different perspective. We are already part of that story, but the external person is not. So unless as senders, we learn to understand this and learn to reformulate those messages in a way that they become meaningful, relevant, valuable, instead of being difficult to comprehend, that they welcome a break to the recipient's mind, we will not even win attention anymore. Times have changed my talent marketing friend, because the more we shoot those message arrows out there, the more difficult we are, we are all contributing to making it more and more difficult for all of us in this universe to, to uh, receive messages. We have been able to see the quite literal consequences of this overexposure to bad messaging for quite some time now in the form of, you know, social media fasting. People remove the social media apps from their phones. They turn off the notica notifications. They, you know, when the summer vacation begins, they say like, okay, you know, I'm off from social media for the next two months. And then, you know, I'll be back later in the autumn, have fun, enjoy. I don't want to be here for a while. Uh, we switch on ad blockers on the internet and so on. It's just, these are just literal expressions that, you know, there's too much information circling around. And as a talent marketing practitioner, you need to understand how important it is for you to stop talking about what your business needs, what your business expects, uh, and by when to your talent audiences, because that is relevant only to your business. Instead, you need to start to become interested and curious and inspired to learn more about what your talent audiences need and expect and by when, so that you can tell them how you can help them. Your talent audiences become active job seekers when they are in a need to make changes in their career. You know, we've talked about this. They don't become active job seekers when your business needs to hire. So you must get them on this candidate journey that I've told you many times. Uh, in order to be present to them in ways that inspire their brain. 
And storytelling is a fantastic way to do that. It's, you know, actually the best way to, to do this. But it's a skill that needs to be learned and then developed through a lot of storytelling practices. I said I've studied storytelling tactics now for years and I feel like I'm still learning. But it's a skill that quite quickly rewards you because you see, you literally see how your audience will resonate with it. So next week we're going to continue with this topic because storytelling is at the core of the Magnetic Employer Brand Method. And if I can get you super passionate about storytelling, you will come to gain so much value and benefit from my method in your own talent marketing actions and activities. That's why I want you to come back next week to learn more. In the meantime, go to modernemployerbrand.com slash podcast 45 and I'll hear you next week. Bye-bye.